My message today is entitled, Now is the Time. I want to begin in uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints. There is no greater way to begin than by giving thanks. Through thanksgiving, we acknowledge that all we have comes through the providence and or the will of God. And even more so, giving thanks for fellow brothers and sisters in the faith strengthens our bond with them and unites us in the Spirit. I saw a recent post on the internet this week of some believers in the Middle East where there's fighting going on and war going on and there was a woman who lost everything she had but her family was kept safe. And she put out this beautiful prayer in her native language and just said, thank you God that You take care of us, that You have protected us, that You are sovereign. To see that going on right there in the midst of that, to know that that heart is open to God in thanksgiving is powerful and it's an encouragement builder for us as well. That we have brothers and sisters around the world right now that are in need of our prayers, but they're also thanking God for His faithfulness. Giving thanks from our hearts is the way that we say and show God that we trust Him implicitly as He directs our lives. However, too many prayers often begin and are filled with long lists of requests instead and little time of thanks and praise. When our requests outbalance our thanks and praise, it strains our relationship with God. Think about it this way. If your son or daughter only came to you when they wanted something, how would that affect your relationship? Why would it be any different with God our Heavenly Father? Here in the book of Colossians, Paul and Timothy, who are writing this letter to the faithful saints in Colossae, share that they are always praying for them. It's obvious by the fruit of Paul's life, the strength he receives during trials, the sensitivity to the Spirit's direction, and the boldness that he leads with that Paul indeed is always praying always for all the saints. The reason I could state this with great certainty is that it exemplifies a Bible truth. Matthew 6.33 tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. What's that mean? It means if we take care of the things that are important to God and pray for them, then God will take care of us as well. If we seek the kingdom of God by praying for those in the kingdom of God and praying for others to enter the kingdom of God, then God gives us what we need to continue serving the kingdom of God. He gives us strength when we have none. He gives us encouragement when we've been beaten down. He gives us discernment when we are faced with confusion and peace when we are distressed. 
He gives us a greater sensitivity to His voice when darkness is surrounding us. And He gives us a boldness to speak His Word of truth when the world is trying to drown us out. It is the will of God that we continually lift up each other in prayer. Not with just a list of things that others may need, but mostly that we would all draw near to God. Increasingly be able to hear His voice and steadfastly be able to discern His will for our lives. Praying for others keeps us in touch with them as members of our family. For too many Christians, consistent prayer for others is one of the greatest casualties that has fallen on the wayside when busy lives take over. When informed or reminded that someone is ill or struggling, many are too quick to say, I'm praying for you. Or almost as if you're supposed to say that, right? I'm praying for you. The truth of the matter is that all we do and all we are in Christ finds its strength in prayer. Therefore, we should never be talking more about prayer than actually doing it on a consistent basis. And every time a need arises. Conviction is one of the greatest weapons that aids a Christian. It is what springs us into action. It alerts our senses. It draws us to repentance to make ourselves right with God so that we can boldly go to God. And it keeps us in God's will. Therefore, if you are convicted by this discussion of prayer and you are willing to admit that your prayer life is not as consistent or responsive and vibrant as you know it should be, then I invite you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you get it back on track. The way we do this is by going to God before we go to the world. What I mean is this. When you first hear from someone about their need, or about someone who has a need. Don't talk about it. Don't say that you will pray about it. Be convicted by your words and pray immediately. I was visiting someone this week and helping out meeting a practical need. And the person came out on their porch and thanked me and I said, can I pray for you right now? And this person was a little hard of hearing so I was shouting on the porch and all the neighbors could hear me. That's awesome. I was praying for God that He would cover and protect this person and this family and this, this person was just overwhelmed. I'm not saying this to brag. I'm saying that this is an opportunity available to us all. That when a need comes to us, we need to pray. It's, if it's with a brother or sister in the faith, pray with them right then and there if possible. There is great power and encouragement when we stand together and believe for one another. When someone prays in person for you, it immediately binds you to the Spirit as you are infused with grace and power and love and a supernatural connection to the body of Christ. One of the greatest feelings when you are down is to know that someone else has your back. That is what we are all called to do as believers of Jesus Christ. We take on His name as Christians. We need to have a sense of immediacy when it comes to prayer. We are divinely connected as the body of Christ. It's not just a group of individuals, but an interconnected body that holds the awesome presence of God. 
If someone tells you about another person who is in need, pray with that person right there. The power that results in immediate action is incredible, incredible, but only if we are ready and willing to snap into action and obey. Unfortunately, because we are often more quick to talk about how awful it is that someone is struggling, the power of our immediacy gets funneled into either gossip or complaining or worry, and the call to prayer becomes a footnote that we tell ourselves to do later, if we even remember. In fact, the reason why gossip and complaining and worry is so prevalent, even amongst Christians, is because we continually feed it and fertilize it and cultivate it to grow. The bottom line is that it's not the person who is sharing the information that is perpetuating the gossip and complaining and worry. It is the person receiving it if we don't go immediately to prayer and immediately to God. When someone brings a complaint of news or some tragedy or unfortunate happening, we must halt it right there and go to prayer immediately. That is the only way to stop it and address it. Unfortunately, too often we talk about getting overwhelmed by it and then spread our disgust or our disbelief with others. Therefore, even if we pray about it and shut the door on the enemy, we essentially open the back gate to release the destruction back in the world. And sometimes we no sooner get the prayer request out of our mouths when someone else tries to fix it by offering suggestions on how to meet that need or offering people that you should go see to meet that need. Now, if we ask for human help, that is one thing. But if someone asks for prayer, we must get an intervention or wisdom from God before we try to fix it first. Now, most prayer needs don't come to us gift-wrapped and marked for the occasion. What I mean is that most prayer requests are not preceded with, I have a prayer request, can you pray for this? Most prayer needs rely on us being sensitive to the Spirit's discernment and ready and willing to take needs directly to God before gossip, before complaining and worry and fear or anger are allowed to even speak. God has called us to be an army that is ready to attack in the spiritual realm. We need to be ready to snap to attention and spring into action. One of the reasons why colonial America was victorious in its revolution against England was because of the Minutemen. These were people who looked like unassuming farmers and workers, but they were ready at all times, often with a minute's notice, to pick up their guns and weapons and run into battle. Many an enemy underestimated the power of the Minutemen. Approaching troops became overconfident trying to quickly drive out townspeople. Yet the Minutemen could save an entire town as they all jumped into action with each man knowing his task and responsibility. They all had the same mission no matter where they were. It didn't matter what they were doing when the call came out. They sprang into action with a minute's notice. And together they mobilized a strong and united fighting force to take out the enemy. Brothers and sisters, this is what God calls us to do in His army right now. 
But we're not talking about human warfare. We're talking about spiritual warfare, which is much more powerful. We are to take care of our responsibilities as well as serve others and provide for our families and make connections out in the world. But we also need to be ready to snap to attention and spring into action. We need to do so immediately. I want to take a look at a passage in the Gospel of Luke that we studied a few weeks ago and to see how it applies to the message right here today. It comes from Luke chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. Now what happened is Jesus went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath, that they watched Him closely. And behold, there was a certain man before Him who had dropsy. The world will often watch you closely and hold you to the letter of the law, judging your response to challenges. It's easy to be a great witness of God when things are going great, but the world looks at you when difficulties come against you, when you have to deal with hardship and trials and unfair actions. That's when your witness is the strongest. Our job, however, is not to defend our response, but to immediately approach the throne of grace inquire of God. This is our witness. While they watch, we pray. We insert God into every equation without hesitancy and with full confidence that He hears us. Verse 3, And Jesus, answering, spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? But they kept silent. And Jesus took him and healed him and let him go. Listen, there will always be doubters and accusers and mockers and those who stand in judgment. They deserve none of our attention. Our focus needs to be on God and on others to whom God directs us. Too many people today are spending the bulk of their energy arguing and debating with others. God has not called us to engage in a war of words with the world. If the world has so much of your attention that you spend your time arguing with those of the world, then it's time to recalibrate. Jesus shows us that the detractors and the distractors of the world do not deserve our attention. Our attention belongs to God. Our attention belongs on God. Remember, we are to seek first His kingdom. First, His kingdom and His righteousness. And then God promises to add to us what we need. We don't have to argue for it or complain to others about it or be constantly critical about those with whom we disagree. Listen, there's a lot in the world I disagree with right now. But I agree that God is sovereign. I believe that God is all-powerful. I believe that God gives us great discernment when we keep our attention and focus on Him. I believe that when we seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, then He will add to us the things that we need so we can continue to seek Him. We need to be heavenly minded and be quick to take needs to the throne of God, allowing Him to answer us in our time of need. And when's the time? Now is the time. Faced with a man's need, Jesus took him and healed him and let him go. He was immediate. He was deliberate. 
And he, as he continued to flow in God's will, unstopped by the detractors around him or the weight of each need, Jesus' whole ministry was based on the power of immediacy. He didn't wait. He didn't put things on his calendar. He responded immediately. When a need comes to us, we are not to just say, I will pray for you. Or I'll put it on my prayer list. We are to respond immediately and take this need to the throne of God. Our church right now has a prayer team. And anybody can join it with the understanding that your responsibility of being on this prayer team is when a need comes and you're aware of it, an email or whatever, however it may come or text, as soon as you hear it, you are, if possible, drop everything you're doing and pray right now. A sense of immediacy. Yes, we can still pick up our prayer list during prayer time and go through those things, but we believe in the power of immediacy and now is the time. We are to respond immediately and take these needs to the throne of God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Listen, the one thing that keeps us from coming boldly to the throne of God is when we have unconfessed sin in our hearts. That's why we take time each week and all the time to judge ourselves and to evaluate ourselves and to ask the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts. That if there's something there, that we need to go and confess it to God. Because if we have unconfessed sin, the shame of that sin will keep us from going to God with boldness in a time that we need to go in boldness. Repentance is not a one-time thing. It's a daily, continual thing that we check our hearts and say, God, I failed. I messed up. And we all do. But we need to take personal responsibility and confess our sins to God. And God says when we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So that now when we need to go to God in prayer and boldness, we can do so because we've taken care of business. Come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you understand what a time of need means? If there is a time of need, a time of need, then there is an immediacy. Therefore, we immediately approach the throne of grace in our time of need. But notice it does not say for our time of need, but rather in our time of need. These are time-sensitive matters. And when we respond immediately and snap to attention, like those Minutemen, and spring into action, then God opens the, gr- the gates of His grace to overcome anything that's attempting to come against the body of Christ. Isaiah 59, verse 19 says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and His glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. When we go to God immediately in prayer and stand on the authority of His Word that He gave us, the Spirit of the Lord immediately lifts up a standard against it. Listen, if a flood were coming into town right now, you wouldn't say, I'll meet you there later as soon as I'm done with my work. No. 
you would immediately jump into action and get to the spot to stop that wall of water from overtaking the town, your family, your friends, and your neighborhood. As the body of Christ and the family of God, there are brothers and sisters who are in need right now. We need to be united. We must understand that we are all responsible for lifting up the name of the Lord over the attacks of the enemy. Listen, right now what's going across the world in places that we've talked about, yes, there are great physical needs, but there are great spiritual needs. It's one thing to lose all the physical possessions you have. It's another thing to take, have, your hit, have your faith take a hit. We need to be praying for our brothers and sisters that they would continue to be strong in the battle. As well as pray for all of us as well. We must spring into action. We must immediately lift up a standard through prayer. It is God's standard. It is His power. It is His grace. It is His love. It is by His Spirit that we overcome. But we must be willing to stand up for Him and do it right now. That is the power of prayer. This is the message that Jesus so earnestly preached and shared with all who would listen and were willing to hear with their hearts. Like we sang before, open the eye of my heart. Open the eyes of my hearts. I want to see You, God. John 4, 23 and 24. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Now is the time to seek Him. To worship Him. To boldly approach the throne of grace in our time of need. Now I understand as things start to open up and the, with COVID businesses open up and all the stuff is happening, we look at it as maybe a sense of relief. We have brothers and sisters around the world right now that have no relief. And yes, it's great that we have some things that we can look forward to, but we as their members of their family need to lift them up in prayer and be immediate when we, something crosses our mind. God calls us to worship Him in spirit because it is the Holy Spirit who gives us the discernment of now. As I prayed for this very message, the Holy Spirit quickened the following revelation to my mind and heart. What's that mean? A revelation is something that God puts in my heart by the, the Spirit of wisdom so that I can understand the Scriptures to teach it to you. So the revelation that I felt that I got from God as I prepared this message was this. The reason why there are so many lukewarm Christians today is that too many are confusing Jesus with John the Baptist. What do I mean by this? John the Baptist came as a messenger, as one crying in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord. People weren't ready for him, so he came to prepare the way of the Lord. John talked of the one who would come after him. He pushed the world's attention to who and to what was about to come. Jesus is the one who came with the now message. John prepared the way. Jesus said, I comes now. Matthew 4.17, after Jesus went into the wilderness, 
to prepare and fast. He came out and it said from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of, of heaven is at hand. It is now. Jesus wasn't talking about a time in the future or what was coming. He has arrived. He has already given His life. He offers us His way to us now. He doesn't say, I will be the way, or I will be the truth, or I will be the life. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. But the problem is that too many people are acting as if they still have time to seek a little more of the world. Take a few more looks. Indulge themselves a few more times as if to say, Jesus is coming. I'll be ready when He comes. Yet it is with great urgency that God speaks to us that now is the time. For He has already come. He is calling us to repentance, to turn away from the world and to come to Him now. Jesus is not the messenger. He is here now. Yes, He is returning, but only to those who have made the decision for Him now. Too many people see Jesus as second coming, like the last call at the bar. They think they can just keep drinking in the world's pleasures and temptations, and when Jesus comes, they'll just run to Him. Let me tell you what the Bible says, that Jesus is not coming to give the last call. He is calling now. When He returns again, it will be too late. He is not returning to give the last call. He is returning to gather those who have responded to Him now. Luke 17.24 says, For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part of heaven, so also will the Son of Man be in His day. When Jesus returns, it will be sudden. The Bible speaks of a rapture. When Christ returns and raptures the body of Christ from this world and takes those to heaven who have responded to His call now. There will be no time to decide then. This is why it's so crucial to choose Jesus now. Luke 17, 35 and 36 describes that rapture. It says, Two women will be grinding together at the mill. The one will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. One was ready. One was not. One thought he had more time. The Bible is very clear that not all people will be taken to heaven. Friends will be divided. Families will be separated. Even churches will find themselves sorted out based on individual decisions to repent and follow Jesus. That's what the Bible says. I know not everyone preaches the Bible, but that's what the Bible says. I can't make it any clearer to you. We all must seek Him now. We must turn from the world now. We can't afford to see Jesus as a messenger of a future calling. He is calling us now. This is the last call. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 and 17 says, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds 
to meet the Lord in the air, and thus shall we, we shall always be with the Lord. That's the promise we have if we respond now. Are we still going to make mistakes? Yes. Are we still going to sin and fall short of the glory of God? Yes. But we need to trust God and repent continually and come to God and encourage one another and pray for one another. What keeps our hearts right if we ever focus on others' needs and praying for them immediately and God takes care of us. This is the promise for those who have chosen Him now. God will gather us all together by His grace and bring us up into heaven. If these words of truth do not wake you from your slumber, I don't know what will. If you know that your heart and your life is not where it needs to be with God, you must come to Him now. It's not hard. It's just you being open to God. Saying to God, I'm sorry, I've sinned, I've trusted my own way. God, forgive me. By Your grace, forgive me. I believe, Jesus, that You died for my sins. I receive that life right now that as You rose from the dead, You've given me a new life into eternity. Then you've got to believe it and begin to walk it out by faith. Surround yourself with fellow believers who can encourage you when times get tough because times get tough. And we all get banded together by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you say that you believe in God but the fruit of your life is inconsistent with your words, Understand that it's by the fruit that you will be judged and not by your words. The time is now. The message is urgent. Look around the world right now. There are wars. There are rumors of wars. There are many earthquakes and famines and pestilences in many places. The love of many has grown cold. This is exactly what the Bible says. It is exactly what Jesus said would happen in the last days. If you don't believe me, when you go home today, open up your Bible and read Matthew 24. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 24 is exactly what is happening right now. He could return at any time. We do not know the day or the hour. That's what the Bible says. We don't know when that's going to be. Is it months? Is it years? I don't know. But if you look at the Bible, Matthew 24, these things are happening right now. And with this truth glaring us and right in the face, the world has gone into overdrive to distract us from the very message of immediacy. We have become a society of preoccupation of phones and devices and technology and busyness which causes us to push the button of immediacy. Push the pause button on immediacy and zaps the church of its strength. What is the strength of the church? It's prayer of us coming together when we have a need and going directly to the throne of grace for God to meet that need. Too many are deceived into thinking that technology is saving them time or giving them more access to more opportunities. But it is actually in many cases compromising their time, distracting their attention nullifying their immediacy, quieting their sensitivity to His voice, and narrowing their access to God. In fact, one of the greatest ways to know what God's will is right now is by examining in what ways the world is attacking the people of God to unsettle them. One of the most disheartening things I hear is when people say, I know I need to pray more. I know I need to be in church more. I know I need to read the Bible more. 
If you are saying these things but not doing them, there should be concern. You will not be judged by simply what you know. For even Satan knows who God is and what He's capable of. You will be judged on how your thoughts and your words and how your life's actions demonstrate what you believe. That's the fruit of what we do. Matthew 16.24 Jesus said to His disciples, If anyone desires to come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. This is a now message for those who choose to truly follow Jesus. If we don't walk with a sense of urgency and live in the power of immediacy, we risk lagging behind and becoming part of the world instead of the family of God. Now, I'm not telling you to avoid the world. There are people out there that need Jesus. That's where we get involved with the world. and We do have fun out there. and We connect and we meet needs and we enjoy ourselves. But when a need comes up, we have to spring into action as the body of Christ. We connect with people in the world who may not be part of God's family yet so that we can know their needs, so that we can take their needs before the throne. Matthew eleven twenty-eight and 29, Jesus said, Come to Me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Listen, there are so many people who are heavy laden right now. And Jesus says, I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And will find, you will find rest for your souls. Once you truly understand the immediacy of the message in the heart of Jesus, you realize the power of the implied nows of His words. In a sense, He is saying, come to Me now. Don't let your shame or your guilt or your excuses keep you away. Come to Me now. All you who are labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest now. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me now. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls now. This is the message of Jesus today. Once it becomes our message, the body of Christ will truly be unstoppable. Because of God's grace, it is not too late to turn to Him now. Let us therefore boldly approach the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the power and the truth, the endearing truth of Your Word. We pray that it would quicken to our hearts, that we wouldn't just agree with it, but it would change us. It would give us the sense of urgency, the immediacy of now. Lord God, we ask right now to examine our hearts. If there be things in us that have kept us from You, we ask for Your forgiveness. We lay it before You. You already know it's there. We lay it before You. We ask You to forgive us of our sins, to renew us and heal us, and then give us that discernment to know Your voice. For our brothers and sisters around the world, our brothers and sisters around town, even in this church, that need You right now, that are facing difficult trials and challenges, those in need of Your touch, those in need of Your assurance, those in need of Your healing, align us together 
That we can lift up Your name, the name above every name that cleanses and heals and infuses peace and strength and grace in all of us. 